um, which I said, my next part, which is not necessarily relating to it, but over time, like working with businesses has really taught me a lot more about wealth um, and how to generate and keep wealth, even if you don't come from wealth. Um, so that's where the real estate component comes in for me. Like over time, like I just remembered, I don't know if I should jump into this part, but over time, like I've learned about, um, you know, how to build wealth and keep wealth and how to generate wealth or create wealth from generation to generation. And for me, like real estate has been an interest of mine because I realized that you can't necessarily build wealth without real estate, whether you own a home or not. So. Hey, you're listening to the How to Turn Your Goals into Reality podcast, where I firmly believe that your wildest dreams are 100% possible. My name is Teresa, and I'm obsessed with goal setting for results, using systems to make it easier, mastering neuroscience to transform your life, and helping you to figure out how to get your life to work for you. So I'm a city chick who started an online business with two kids under two years old. And yes, I know I was crazy. (laughs) And I created $4,000 in less than 14 days. But that, my friend, was just the beginning. Since then, I've been able to multiply that by helping people just like you to create an impact in the world while living their purpose. And here, I teach you proven strategies and best kept secrets to building a life that is aligned with your vision and helping you to blaze a trail to your unique destiny. Miss an opportunity to keep it real? (laughs) Never. Success and failure mixed with a lot of business plus audacious goal setting while trying to figure out motherhood and purpose are all a few things that we talk about here. So how about you think about this as your one-stop shop, the place that you go to, to spend time with your inner circle and to be around like-minded, ambitious trailblazers who are committed to living a life full of purpose and impact no matter what. Grab your favorite notebook, pour a glass of your favorite bottle of Moscato, and get ready to be challenged, inspired, and moved to action. This is where you come to listen, learn, change, and grow. Let's dive in. Hey, 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 welcome back to another episode of How to Turn Your Goals into Reality. And today we have my girl, Jocelyn, joining us. How are you? I am good. How are you? Good. I'm super excited to talk to you because I know that you are like a real estate master you know everything (laughs) there is to know about real estate so I had to get you on the show because I know that we have questions and you have the answers yes no thank (laughs) you so much I I don't know the term you know what I'm not even gonna second guess myself thank you for (laughs) the title I mean you're right I need to stop second guessing myself but I'm so excited to be here like I said we are so aligned with a lot of the things, you know, that are important to you and important to me. And I'm just excited to, to share my knowledge and, and jump into this conversation. Awesome. So before we begin, you got to tell us about the, your historically Black college university experience. Like yes. here in Canada, we don't have anything like that. So mm-hmm. we can't even like imagine what this is like, but it sounds like it was amazing. Can you just tell us a little yes. bit about that? Yes, yes, yes. I am Team HBCU all the way, um, which is uh, an acronym for Historically Black Colleges and Universities. 
Um, and I am a proud graduate of one. Shout out, shout out to Clark Atlanta University. Um, and HBCUs are heaven. I don't really know how else <laughs> to explain them. Um, basically, they are institutions that were created for um, Black Americans or, um, you know, Blacks of the diaspora to gain an education when common um, universities um, like the the Harvards and the Princetons wouldn't allow us and our ancestors to actually be educated. So that's okay. the, literally the premise as to why they were created. Um, yeah. And, you know, to this day, they're still thriving. So my organization, I'm not sorry, my institution was founded um, in uh, 1865, but we actually um, merged with another organization. Um, sorry, I don't know why I can call it that. Another institution called uh, Atlanta University. So Clark Atlanta is actually the, the child of Clark College and Atlanta University, and they merged together to create Clark Atlanta University. And so really what all these institutions do is that they provide, um, you know, Blacks of the diaspora, whether you're from the Caribbean, whether you're from the continent, or whether your family is just born and bred here um, in the States, um, a safe space for you to learn, to be empowered, and to connect with other people that may look like you, but also have different cultures. So as I was speaking um, earlier, before we started recording, um, yeah. I have friends, you know, from all over. Like I was actually just telling you, Teresa, about my friend who sort of led or encouraged me to actually move from my home state of California to the state of Texas. They say the great state. I don't call it the great state. It's just Texas <laughs> to me. Um, and she's actually of Nigerian and Cameroonian descent, but we have a commonality of um, being HBCU educated. So she's an alum of Howard. Um, I'm just, you know, a Black American. My family um, has roots, um, as far as I know, you know, only in um, America, but we have that commonality of just being empowered um, and having a chance to learn about one another's experiences, you know, because we have this, you know, HBCU love um, right. for our institutions and for other institutions. So I always say, like, it was a culture shock for me, you know, going to an HBCU, coming from such a diverse place as the great state of California, but it was also such an eye-opening um, and welcoming experience to know that, you know, there are generations of people that look like me that walk through these same halls, that got the same ed education and have such a pride um, for the Black experience. And you can't talk about the Black experience in America without talking about the HBCU experience. So I'm so thankful um, for the HBCU grads that I have in my network. I'm so thankful for everyone who fought for us to have these rights to actually yeah. have institutions that are you know, unique and created for us. Um, and mm -hmm. I always say that you don't have to be Black to go to an HBCU, but by the time you leave, you definitely will have an appreciation for what my people did. You know, like we right. fought for some of these rights and it just shows in the graduates that are proud to represent their schools. And when I think about, you know, my friends that didn't go to HBCUs versus the ones that did, a lot of them, I want to say maybe 90% say that they wish they did go to an wow. HBCU. So it's never too late. We have graduate programs. You can get your doctorate. You can do whatever you want um, right. at, you know, HBCUs that are actually universities. But, you know, for me, like if I ever have kids, I definitely want them <laughs> to go to um, <laughs> an HBCU. You know, I just want them to experience the excellence that I experienced, you know, those four years. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. And it sounds like a dream. Like, I think you defined it right, right from the beginning when you said, that HPCUs are just like heaven. Like yeah. that's what that sounds like. <laughs> the unity, the, 
the community, the the way that you guys look out for each other, the way that you guys sharpen one another, like that, yeah. that's what this world needs more of. That's what we should be striving for in our everyday life, you know? So that's yeah. beautiful. So now I want you to tell us a little bit about yourself. So you went to that school. What did you study and what do you do now? Yes. So I um, studied uh, mass communications, which is essentially what I'm still doing now. Um, But there's a little twist on it. So, yeah, I studied uh, mass communications and with mass comm, um, it's not just, you know, radio, TV, film, which is what most people think like people. Even though some I do have some friends that are, you know, working at BET and some of these great, you know, um, publications. But for me, uh, my passion was uh, more so on the public relations side, which is sort of coincides with marketing. So um, Mm -hmm. that's what I uh, my concentration was uh, in public relations. And um, it's tough. You know, people think, you know, being a publicist and working in PR is all fun and you get to go to these events and you do, let's be clear. Like I got to go through those experiences, (laughs) but over time, like I've learned that my passion wasn't really on the PR side. It was more so on the marketing side. And a lot of people confuse PR and marketing. PR is all about press and brand awareness and marketing is very much about generating money, generating sales for Mm -hmm. a company. So over time Mm -hmm. I've sort of transitioned out of PR and into marketing. So my most recent role, um, was a senior uh, consultant. Uh, no, I'm sorry, was a senior manager, digital consulting. So my job was basically to kind of oversee um, the marketing for uh, one of our clients, which was an energy client here in Texas. And of course, like the oil and gas industry is very huge here. So it wasn't necessarily me doing the work. Like I sort of managed people that were doing the work and I just informed the strategy and served as the main point of contact for all of their oh. marketing needs. So that's been my role, essentially, like I've done it across various industries. Again, that was my last role, um, which I've unfortunately been laid off from because of this whole pandemic. But, um, you know, beyond that, I've done consulting, uh, marketing consulting on the side. So I've always never just relied on my job for, you know, income. Um, I've always sort of had my own thing going on, which is, again, an important thing that, you know, my HBCUs have taught, like all of all of my friends that are, whether they're HBCU grads or not, most of them have some type of side hustle. For me, it was always right. marketing consulting, um, which kind of led to, um, which I said, my next part, which is not necessarily relating to it, but over time, like working with businesses has really taught me a lot more about wealth um, and how to generate and keep wealth, even if you don't come from wealth. Right. Um, so that's where the real estate component comes in for me. Like over time, like I just remembered, I don't know if I should jump into this part, but over time, like I've learned about, um, you know, how to build wealth and keep wealth and how to generate wealth or create wealth from generation to generation. And for me, like real estate has been an interest of mine because I realized that you can't necessarily build wealth without real estate, whether you own a home or not. So um, I just tried to go through the process myself of purchasing my first home and you know, that just showed me how much I didn't know, <laughs> which right. means a lot of people probably could relate to that. So that yeah. led to the creation of my podcast um, and my um, my organization, which is called Real Estate Prep LLC. But under that, I have a podcast called Real Estate Prep. And then I also have some services um, that I've created based on, again, my experience of trying to purchase my first home and failing the first time around. Um, yeah. So that is some stuff that I'm sure we'll talk about later. But just merging the two um, of business development and my marketing background to create um, real estate prep LLC so that I'm serving 
um, business owners and just general people that have an interest in generating wealth as well. And again, my angle is real estate. I do talk a little about a bit about stocks and um, how you can utilize those as well. But for me, like I don't, I personally don't believe that you can build wealth truly without having some form of real estate in your portfolio, whether those are REITs, um, which are real estate investment trusts, um, or actually outright owning a property and being um, a landlord or just simply being a homeowner, you know? So that's, that's me in a nutshell. Okay, cool. So since you went there, you went all the way there. So we're going <laughs> to jump in with you. <laughs> so you mentioned that building wealth, creating wealth, you, you have to have real estate. So talk to us a little bit about that. Why are the two connected? Why do you need real estate in order to create wealth? Why must that be one of the streams? Yes, yes. And I'm glad you said one of the streams because people think that's it. You know, like it's definitely not like the, the goal should be for everyone to have diversified streams when it comes to, to wealth, um, which is why I touched on the stocks and I, I haven't touched on startups, but we could talk about that later. But it's an important co- component because land isn't going anywhere. You know, like there's only so much land. There's never any place where we can get more. There can be more companies being created, which I hope there are, but there's never going to be a place where you can say, I want more land. You know, you have to utilize what you have, which is why there's, it's such a precious, you know, commodity to people. And it's something that you can pass down from generation to generation. So the great thing about real estate, um, that's not necessarily unique, um, but it's very important is that, you know, land appreciates, you know, whatever you bought in 1865 for 250, for example, would well be worth thousands at this point because the land has appreciated and inflation has happened, which means that, you know, more people are being born, but more land's not being produced. So land appreciates over time, which means that if you manage your property and it's time for you to sell at some point, or it's time for you to pass it down to your children, if you'd managed it right, then they can have no mortgage. They can own it out outright and they, they could sell it later or they can have a tenant move in and it's already paid for, which means that everything that that tenant is paying them with the exception of taxes and stuff is their income to keep. So, you know, having land in your family and being able to pass it down from generation to generation should be everyone's goal. In my opinion, whether you have kids or not, I do not have kids and I don't know if I'm going to have them. But I do have a godson. And for me, it's important for him to have a leg up and the way to have a leg up in life, the way that other people do. When I say others, I mean people that aren't black is land, you know, like they pass it down from their kids or they use the land and the equity that they built on their homes to help their kids purchase land. And that should be the goal. You know, for me, like I don't want my godson to have to take out any loans for anything, whether it's a house, whether it's college, whether it's him starting a business, like he has a family and we're doing what we're doing now to provide him with the opportunities that we didn't have, you know? So my goal and my family's goal, I'm thankful to say is that our goal is to make sure that every generation that comes under us has a better setup for success than we did. So unfortunately I had to take out loans for school. But I also come from a family of homeowners. So, you know, God forbid something happens to my parents, that home that they bought is mine, you know, and I will want to keep it, whether it's for my godson or whether I'm on my Oprah-ish in the future and I decide to, like, have some mentees or adopt some daughters or some sons, like, 
it doesn't matter whether they're my blood or not. I know that somebody's going to need what I'm working on now. And that's the point of real estate. And that's the point of having something that will appreciate over time. And I, in my opinion, just real estate generates the biggest ROI, whether you are the homeowner through property taxes and tax cuts, or having a seat at the table when it comes to new developments in your community, or you decide to go the investor route and have tenants And again, like I said, if you manage your right and you pay off your mortgage and you're paying more than your mortgage, essentially you'll be the outright owner on this property, which means that all that income that your tenants are bringing in with the exception, again, of taxes and repairs and stuff like that is your income to keep, which means you can decide to buy more property with that, or you can decide to create some nonprofit the way that Oprah did, or you can decide to you know, hire your kids, which is something that people do and keep that money circulating internally. So I'm sure you know, Teresa, like this whole Black renaissance where Black businesses is happening. And I'm happy to see it. And I'm just hoping that it's not a trend. Um, And it's something that really sticks. But for me, like I said, just land is something that's it, there's never more land that's going to pop up out of the sky. So you have to get your piece now and, and work hard to keep it. And if it gets to a point where you don't want to keep it, make sure that you're, you know, doing the work on your home and keeping it up to date so that you are selling it for a higher amount than what you bought it for. And so that's what my brand is all about. It's just producing more first time home buyers that turn into long term investors. You know, people who purchase their first homes typically end up buying more than that over time because they see the appreciation and the equity that they're building and they use that same equity to buy more property so that they can, some people desire to quit their jobs. Some people just want to help their children and their families, whatever the goal is, you know, real estate can help you to accomplish it quicker um, and efficiently. And and it grows over time. That's awesome. Thank you for breaking that down and explaining it to us. So I heard you touch on so many different things and I was taking notes. So I'm going to ask you about all of them. Okay. The first one that I want to touch on is how this all got started for you. Because now when you talk about real estate, you're confident, you know what you're talking about. You went to school, you had a loan, now you're debt free. And like, how, what was the process for you? What was the journey for you? How did you go from being in student loan debt to now owning property? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, that was a very stressful process. But now that I'm on the other side, it's just like, you know, God took me through all of that so I can talk about it now. But while I was in it, I was like, why, why me? But anyway, um, so I touched on it a little bit earlier, but what really sparked my whole interest into this is, again, trying to go through the process myself and being stopped with error after error. So when I was actually living in Maryland, I, you know, was working a pretty good job. I had my student loans, but who didn't at that point? Most, most graduates have loans, but for me, like I, when it was time for me to buy a home, I realized how much I wasn't doing to get that loan amount down. And it ended up impacting my home buying process. So I had went through the whole pre-approval process. I had been working with my real estate agent. I had, you know, looked at all these homes and fell in love with a bunch of them. But when it was time for me to actually put my offer in, I realized that my debt to income ratio, which is essentially your debt, which would be those student loans, your credit cards, whatever debt you have mm-hmm. um, compared to your income, which was my job and, you know, some of my side gigs and stuff like that was too high. So for us in the States, a good debt to income ratio would be around 36%. 
And the way that you calculate that is list, to list all of your debts and compare them to your income. Um, and then it'll give you a percentage of where you stand. And so for me, I was, I was like touching 50, which is crazy because, you know, the only debt that I had at that time were my student loans. And I had just gotten a new car after the one that I had for 10 years prior to like gave out on me. So for me, like, I don't, I didn't use my money at that time. And I mm-hmm. still don't, like, I just was never someone who just would like floss and just have all these name brands. I lived a pretty modest lifestyle. I mean, I did brunch like every other millennial does, but for the most part, like I, I thought that I was managing my money well, but I realized that, you know, the better you become at managing your money, the, the better you become at, at acknowledging that debt impacts you. And for me, yeah. the big eye opener was being denied for two of the homes that I put offers in and I was like, well, why are they denying me? My credit score is good. I have solid income. I'm working. Like I had everything that I thought I needed, but I realized that my debt would always hold me back until I either made more money or tried to pay it down. So Mm. my lender and my agent, like they both just kind of talked to me. They were like, you know, technically you don't have to pay it all off. All you need to do is get to a point where you're at that 36%. And again, like I said, I was, I was touching 50% despite me having a pretty good financial landscape and so I was like well I don't ever want to feel like this (laughs) like I need to just pay it all off so that required me to just change my whole lifestyle like I was living again in Maryland and that's not you know where I'm from and so I could have did one or two things I could have just continued to rent forever and just you know pay it off the way that I was doing it slowly but surely but I was Mm -hmm. like no like I don't ever want to feel like this again and at that point I was touching on my 10-year reunion so I'm like I have friends that feel like they're just going to die with their debt. And I'm like, well, I want to die with this. Like, I want to pay it off. And it just seems so impossible because, again, my institution was a private institution, so it was a lot more expensive. And and that came with loans because I couldn't just call my mom and say, hey, can you give me $100,000? Like, no, like, she has her own stuff to deal with. So I decided to just take it on. And that required me to change my whole lifestyle. And so I ended up giving the apartment, giving up the apartment that I lived in. And I actually moved back home with my mom. Wow. And that sucked. <laughs> <It> sucked. <laughs> After living on your own and just not yeah. having to anyone. But yeah. I explained to her what I wanted to do. Of course, she knew about my home, home buying woes. And she was like, well, I think this is a great idea. Like, you have been on your own. I know you've been trying to pay them off. And living with me like you wouldn't be paying the full amount that you because she still charged me (laughs) (laughs) but I still had to pay her rent but it was only a fraction of what I was paying on my own so that allowed me to just allocate a good 80 percent of my salary to these loans and that's what I did Mm -hmm. you know some people just pay the bare minimum or they'll set up income-based repayments I was like no here just take all my money because I'm ready for y'all to leave me alone (laughs) I did so that took me, I gave myself two years to do it. Um, again, like I said, I gave up my whole little freedom lifestyle and moved back in with my mom. It was tough. Two adults, two fire signs under one roof was not a pretty sight all the time. Mm. But eventually, like, I got over myself and I, I just accepted and appreciated that I even had a home to go to because some people right. don't. And that helped me to just shift my mindset and to see that this is bigger than me. You know, like, I know you miss living on your own. I know you miss PC, but I learned to appreciate the sacrifices that my mom made for me living with her. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think she learned to respect me as an adult and the decisions that I made. And then just even being able to have access to my family directly in a way that I didn't living across the country really Mm -hmm. helped me to just 
learn more again because like I said I come from a family of homeowners so like while I was living at home like I just learned a lot on my own but I also had I, I had an opportunity to learn a lot from a generational perspective just talking to my talking to my mom and and just hearing the stories of like of how my family my grandparents actually you know left Louisiana because that's where she was from and bought their first home how again like it transferred from generation to generation over time it just really inspired me to like think about this as something that's bigger than me like I said like I was just educating myself through family stories but also through buying courses and attending mm. real estate classes realizing that wow like this is doable like yeah, yeah. the girls pay off these loans but like now I'm thinking as an investor versus me just getting this first home and thinking that's the end all be all so like I said like I gave myself two years I paid them off in about a year and a half um, because I was very aggressive and then my goal was to go back to to Maryland because I, I really love living there <laughs> I still miss it time is time but like I said my friend, um, the Howard grad, she encouraged me to consider some of these other affordable states, um, one being Texas. And she knew about my real estate goals and all that stuff. And she was like, you know, this might be a good place for you to kind of set up shop because the cost mm-hmm. of living is a lot cheaper and the the homes are a lot more beautiful and new. And I just feel like you'll enjoy it. And I'm so thankful that, you know, of course, I prayed on it and fasted and I just kept seeing Texas. And so what kind of sealed the deal was, I applied for a job and I had the, the job about a month later. And so I nice. texted her and I was like, okay, so just set up my little cot. Cause I'm, <laughs> and she was like, what? So I just knew that that was God. And, and I'm just so thankful. Cause I really do like living here. Um, I do, like I said, miss Maryland a lot, but now I'm setting myself up to purchase a multi-unit property, which is the duplex um, or it could be a triplex or it could be a fourplex which is the real way to cash flow. So I would be living in one of them and then I'll be able to rent out the others. So essentially like my tenants would be paying my mortgage with their payment. That's bomb. Um, That is what I'm working on now. And I'm so thankful to be debt free (laughs) (laughs) because now that I'm laid off, I'm like, all I have to cover is my my day-to-day expenses. And I can imagine if I would have been laid off and still have to cover those payments right now. So that's what kind of birth real estate prep. Um, it's it's through experience and it's through realizing that these aren't conversations that we have enough, especially as um, black people of the diaspora. I'm not even going to say black Americans because I have friends from Africa, I have friends from the Caribbean that also have these conversations, that I'm having these conversations with. So mm. that is what I created it for. Um, and I also try to like educate people as well. So it's not about you just buying a home think about what this really means for us as you know people of the diaspora um again like i said it's not about just you it's just thinking about all we had to fight for to actually even buy a property like so at some point we were property you know here in the state so you know it's not just you saying oh i don't want to go through the headache of being a tenant it's just like a you need to change your mindset and b you have to realize that it's not just about you like you don't even understand the history of redlining. You don't understand the history of subprime loans. You don't understand mm-hmm. the history of the whole housing market crash mm-hmm. of the 1990s. Like this is bigger than you. And just right. think if your grandparents would have said, oh, I don't want to go through the headache. You wouldn't even have a home to have grown up in. So right. that's those are the conversations that I would have at home. Like even just shifting my mindset from just the single family home to multi-units is something my mom instilled in me while I was home she was like well you need to be thinking bigger now that you're going to be debt-free 
let's not settle for a single family home. Like let's, let's think about a multi-unit so that you have tenants paying your mortgage. And so uh, five years ago, I wouldn't have been accepting that, but I'm like, you know what, mom, you're right. Like, and now that I'm moving to Texas where it's a lot easier to purchase a multi-unit versus in California, because it's super duper expensive. Like, let me think about this seriously. So just utilizing the resources that I have Mm -hmm. and again, inviting these people into the conversations that I'm thankful to have with my family is the premise of real estate prep and what really inspires me to help not just to create affordable housing, because that's my long-term goal for people, but to make real estate investing an affordable option for people that live with me. Right, right. Cool. Okay, so did you learn from your mom to buy a home without debt? Or was that something that you taught yourself? Because that's one of my goals, actually. I want to save up, buy a home, pay in cash so I can get, you know, the discounts and all that stuff that come with paying Mm -hmm. in cash. Mm-hmm. But I also don't want to be carrying around a mortgage or any kind of bank loan, right? right? So was that an idea that you got from your mom or did you just come up with that yourself? I mean, originally when I was when I was um, looking, I had debt. So it never got to a point where it was like I wanted to pay it off until I realized that I just wasn't presenting my best financial self. So, right. I mean, even for her, it was just like, you know, just... It wasn't that she was against me paying it all off. She just knew that it would help. So she eventually encouraged it, even though the idea didn't come from her. Mm-hmm. And then over time, I just realized, like, why just pay a little bit when I could just pay it all off? Like, if I have the means and I have a place to call home, why not? You know, I mm-hmm. I don't have kids. Like, this is probably the time you should be doing it. So it was really just me going through that experience that, you know, I realized that I can just pay it all off versus aiming to get to a certain amount. And then yeah. she just encouraged it over time. Um, and then, like I said, I just began to educate myself on how other people have managed it. So my goal was never just to 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 buy something in, in cash and not have loans. Because, I mean, that's kind of tough, depending on what type of property you want to go after. And for me, like, I want a multi-unit and multi-units are more expensive. So I think if I just wanted to get just one home that's not a multi-unit. Um, and I had a family, like you have a family that makes total sense to be able to put as much as possible towards the purchase. Um, but no, for me, like, I, I don't think that's going to be feasible. <laughs> I wish it was um, mm-hmm. because the property that I want is much bigger, which means mm-hmm. that I'm going to have to put much more down, which means that not having a loan is possible is basically impossible for me for what I want um, and the property that I want. Cause I don't want to have to do any work on it or any of that. Like I want it to be moving ready. (laughs) I want it to be new construction. So um, I think if I decide or something just doesn't happen, like I I have the savings to just go the single family route um, and and pay for it in cash. Um, But knowing that my dreams are a lot bigger now, I'm okay with getting the loan because I know that I'll have tenants that will cover it for me. So I think it's just being clear on what you want your start to be. Um, and for you, like I said, I completely agree being able to just cover it. Um, but loans for an asset, I feel like aren't a bad thing. Like an asset's going to appreciate, which means that your money is going to appreciate because it's attached to this asset. So mm-hmm. it's just thinking about your long-term goal and making sure that you start off on the right foot and it doesn't allow you to be cash poor because God forbid you move into this home and there's a fire and you all you spent all your money on buying the home and now you have nothing left. Like it's just about thinking long term um, and making sure that you have the money to be 
to have a cash flow from a month to month perspective versus being cash poor, which is people who buy more than what they can realistically cover, or they just want right. these big homes that they see on Instagram and stuff like that's not my goal for me. Like I, I want to live comfortably, you know, and I want to be able to cover my expenses with the money that I make on my job and in my business. Right. Like I don't want to have to take out a loan just to cover my mortgage. Like <laughs> that's hustling backwards, in my opinion. Like I only want to purchase what I can realistically afford. So yeah. that's that's how I go about it. But it's just about what you and your family um, want for your legacy um, and just being realistic with what you can afford, which is where I think a lot of people go wrong. They just think that they're pre-approved for this amount and they can utilize the whole thing. For me, I told my agent at the time, I was like, listen, I know that this is my peer approval amount, but I know that there's going to be other associated cost with closing on this home. Right. So let's aim for a little lower than what the max is. And that's what she um, agreed with me on. And that's how I'm going to be approaching things moving forward. If I can't pay for it in full, I don't want it, you know? So that's just my, my personal um, money um, mindset is I, I aim to pay for as much as possible in full um but i also recognize that a multi-unit and a property is an investment but um i want to come to the table with as much cash as possible so that my mortgage overall looks better um and i'm qualifying for the best interest rates based on how my how i've managed my money um from day to day right i hear you i hear you okay so you touched on um experiencing gratitude and having a, a gratitude mindset when you were living with your mom can you just tell us how did that play a role in you saving up the money to pay off your loan so that you were able to step into your dream lifestyle of independence faster? Mm -hmm. I think it's just having access. Like a lot of, like I said, a lot of people don't have a home to go to, you know, and I, I just feel like I, I moved home with the wrong mindset. I had the right goal, but I had the wrong mindset. And I feel like mindset is so important to everything that you do, whether it's, it's a financial goal or mm -hmm. it's a workout goal. Like, you know, if you don't believe that you can do it, you're not going to do it, you yeah. know? So it, it took a while for me to get over myself. And thankfully my mom was patient, you know, I mean, she's a black mom at the end of this, at the end of the day, you can take that how you want to, but you know, <laughs> She she gave me the space to just crawl out of my initial disappointment in having to move home as an adult after being on, on my own for so long. Some people never leave home. I couldn't wait to leave home. And that's not to say I hated living at home. I just wanted to experience life on my own, you know? Right. Um, I'm a fire sign. So <laughs> I just like adventure and I like challenge. And I'm also an only child. So it's just like it's been me and my mom for so long. Like... Let me see what life is like without her. And that's what college had allowed me to do. But I feel like over time, I've, I've met so many people on my journey that didn't have, a, 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 like I said, a home to go to. They didn't have a good relationship with their parents. And for me, I'm just so thankful I always have. Even when we did bicker from time to time, yeah. I knew that the love was always there. And just humbling myself, which is what that whole experience forced me to do, just let me know that if I improved my mindset and I was grateful for what I have God would bless me with more and like I said right. like my goal was two years but being that my mom only charged me a quarter of what I was paying on my own and that she shared these stories with me about how my grandparents also struggled to purchase a home like it just encouraged me and it reminded me that this is a part of my 
blood. Like this is kind of a part of my purpose that I probably wouldn't have discovered if I would have just continued my life the way that it was and never moved back home. Like mm-hmm. being able to be there with my godson and even setting up his investments accounts. That's something I started when I got home. I was working on my finances, but it was also like, okay, now I have this kid who technically isn't mine, but he is mine. He's our family's kid. And we need Mm. to make sure that he doesn't have the challenges that we had. Each set of generational kids have their own challenges. Like me and his mom, his parents, they all have loans. We all have student loans. And it's just because our parents couldn't afford to pay outright. And that's not, we're not faulting them for that. But we know that because we went through it, we don't want him to go through it. So it's just about embedding in him now like small financial things that you want to think about so now like I buy different books I send them different things that they could be sharing with him so that he can understand finance at four years old because obviously he's not going to be able to talk about the stock market the way that I do but just understanding the value of money and if you manage it right it can transfer generation to generation is something that our parents you know my aunts and my mom talk about with us now that we're young adults and it's something that we want to make sure that we embed in him, like the goal is no loan. So it's not just me investing his an account, like his parents invest, um, my mom invest, his, his grandparents invest, like it's a family based account. So we all are investing into his future. Um, wow. And it just shows the power of community. And for me, like yeah. I've built communities, you know, based on these other cities that I've lived in, but I can't replace my family. And thankfully I have a good family. You know, we're not perfect at all, but we all understand the importance of leaving something behind that's bigger than us and something that's going to appreciate and value, but also educating them. For me, like we didn't have these conversations growing up enough about investments. We always talked about savings, savings account. Like I had a savings account since I was 14, probably, but the traditional savings account won't do much for you the way that investments will, you know, so- those are the conversations that we still have, even though I don't live at home, we still have, you know, our little Zoom meetings because no one wants to come into contact with anyone. Like we don't, they don't even go to each other's houses. And obviously like I live in a whole different state, but every time we do talk, there's always some talk about like money and how we're managing it. And, you know, I'll give them an update on his investment accounts and stuff like that because I'm the one that set it up. So they send the money to my account. Um, and then it just automatically comes out monthly. So the same way that I'm doing that for myself, I'm doing it for my baby. I call him my baby. Again, he's not my son, but he's my godson. And we take that serious. <laughs> so I'm a parent. <laughs> yeah. You know, honestly, I think that's special because you don't hear a lot of godparents talk the way that you talk about your godson. Like, I don't know any who are investing in them the way that you invest in your godson. So he is so blessed to have you like for real. That's amazing. The way that you, 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 you treat him and teach him and, and pour into him is such a blessing. Like you're doing something incredible with that young man and he's going to grow up and be like, girl, thank you so much (laughs) for loving me this way. Honestly. And I can tell by the way that you talk that you're very community oriented and Mm -hmm. that's beautiful because Again, there's not a lot of people in the world who think and feel like you. Like most people, they think it's a doggy dog world. They think they got to step on other people's toes to get ahead. They think they have to stab others in the back. They think they have to like fight to get on top. But Mm -hmm. the truth is that when you align with your purpose and you align with people who, who are in their purpose, there is no competition. Even if you're in the same industry, there is no competition because 
you're all in your lane. You're all doing what you're here to do. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. I completely agree. Completely. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. No worries. So what would you say to the person, someone kind of like me, who is thinking about buying their first home and they want to do it without any loans? Mm -hmm. And um, let's say they don't have a family, so they're single, Mm -hmm. um, but they just don't know where to get started. What would you tell them? I would tell them to seek knowledge through the internet, to start there, to, to, to start there. Um, and you can do that through my podcast, Real Estate Prep. But there are just so many different small communities online that give away this information freely. And obviously, every podcast that I know of is free. Um, and we talk, these are things that I literally talk about from week to week. Like I talk about my experience. I talk to inspectors. I talk to agents and I also follow these people and I engage with these people online. You know, social Mm -hmm. media is also free. You know, you can sign up for their emails. Like for me, I feel like people just, a lot of people I run into have a goal, but do nothing about it. It's just the goal. It's the dream. But it's like, I always, I literally just posted this yesterday. I'm like, my friends know not to tell me about a goal or a dream because I'm immediately going to ask them about actionable. I'm immediately going to tell them about actionable next steps. You know, for me, like if you're going to be connected to me, you're not going to have this dream and sit on it for five years. That's just dumb for me. So some of my friends know not even to come to me until they have actually thought through it and are ready to like work towards it. It may take you five years to make the dream come to a reality, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean you're going to just sit and daydream. So exactly. for me, like my podcast, I'll always plug that because I mean, based on this conversation, you can see that I'm very passionate about it and I have the experience. Yep. Um, but also the second thing I would encourage beyond just following people and like downloading all these free resources is to pay for the knowledge. I wish I would have just paid school. I did at some point, but like, I wish I would have paid sooner for the things that I didn't understand that someone else has done and can help me to avoid. So that's literally why I created like my program, like home buyer prep school, because I've been through this. Like I'm now on the other side. And for me, I'd rather pay someone who's made the mistakes and can help Mm -hmm. me to avoid them. Costly mistakes because real estate costs. You can't just get a home for free, you know, unless somebody passes it down to you. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would think the second, I would say the second thing is to pay for the knowledge that you don't have that someone else has based on experience. So that's Mm -hmm. one thing that I want to stress because there's a lot of people online that kind of set up these accounts and get to 10 K and you just think because they have all these followers, they get it. They don't. For me, like I honestly Mm -hmm. typically trust people that with less followers and Mm -hmm. more engagement because that means that they've done the work and their goal isn't to get to this 10 K and be able to monetize their account. Like if you're free content, doesn't persuade me to take action, then I know your paid content isn't. So that's why I'm so adamant about showing up every week on my podcast. I'm so adamant about the free resources that I do provide. And these are things that I've been through, you know, like for me, like, I don't want you to tell me what to do if you haven't done it yourself. Mm -hmm. So I think those would be the two. No, one more thing. I'm sorry. It's to get into communities with people that have these conversations on the regular. So here I'm a part of this um, organization. It's called the um, Black Real Estate Investing Association. And before COVID, they had monthly meetups. And every meetup, there was a different topic of real estate that was discussed. And that's where I really learned about like flipping and wholesaling. And like for you, like you said, you wanted to purchase without a loan. Like technically, you can do seller financing, which means that you would 
find someone who wants to sell their home and they would be selling it below market because they no longer can afford the payments or they've gotten laid off or they just want to get it off their hands. So they would be selling it, for example, like for maybe like $8,000. But after you move in, you know, and you work on the home, like you may have to hire some contractors and kind of just build it up when it's time for you to sell or when it's time for you to actually do whatever you want to do with the property. Like it's now worth $80,000 versus the 8,000 that you bought it for. So that is an option as well. And I didn't even know about seller financing until I went to that class. So it's just about being like intentional about your goal and like seeking knowledge through people, through resources to, to help you fill in the gap. So for me, like the free stuff started with conversations with my family. Then I was like, okay, well, like they don't know about seller financing. They don't know about hard money lending. Like, let me go to these classes. So then I started purchasing online courses. I purchased eBooks and stuff like that. And then, you know, once I got here, like I actually hired someone to kind of really help me understand the Texas market. Cause this was new for me. Like I knew California, I knew Maryland, but this is new for me. So like, help me to understand how I can navigate through this here. And I paid for it, you know? So it's just yeah. about investing in yourself and your knowledge and getting around people that are having these conversations on the regular, whether that's in person, well, not in person now, don't go anywhere in person, but whether it's in person post-COVID uh, post or not, um, everything that I offer is online. My goal is of course to have these some of these conversations in person. Like I have big goals and big dreams for what I want to do, but for now, like online is easy access and it, as many people can access it as possible. So those are the three things I did. It started with free and had these conversations with people. Secondly, I paid for the gaps in knowledge that I didn't have. And three, like I just continued to put myself in these rooms of conversations that I had with myself or that I had questions about that these people are experts in. So those are the three things I would recommend. And if they need specific resources, of course, like I said, my podcast, um, and then depending on what they have an interest in, um, if you're interested in like Airbnbs and short-term rentals, uh, Micah Artist is someone that I just interviewed and his, um, I can share all this with you, but Micah is a great person for short-term rentals. Um, for flipping and wholesaling, there's an organization called Landlords and Stilettos. I and love for that. Financing Sierra of I Don't Do Budgets actually bought her first home. So for you, like I know that you want to not have a loan. She didn't have a loan, but she had to build up her property because they were selling it below market, which means that there was a lot of work being done on it. Like she's a great person. And then if you're interested in house hacking, which is something that I discussed, like buying one property and living out of the other, um, Kendra Barnes is a great resource. So I'll share all those links with you. But for me, like I had to seek out these people. They didn't just come to me and say, hey, girl, I can help you. Like I had to talk with them and they aligned with things that I wanted to do and they had experience in it. So it's about building those relationships. And they all, you know, I was scared to pitch them for my podcast, but they were like, no, absolutely. Like these are the conversations we're not having enough. So I'm just right. bringing it to you. Um, and then, like I said, the uh, local uh, Black real estate investing associations, they're not just unique to Texas. These are uh, nationwide organizations. And of course, the bigger pockets and some of these other ones are great. And then, sorry, one more thing, because I feel like I've been rambling. No, if no, you really no. are interested in investing, real estate investing, you should read even though he's problematic right now. Uh, Robert <laughs> Kawasaki, he has a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Um, oh, it really yeah. transforms your whole mindset on how you spend your money. Um, and again, separate him 
from the book. The book is still good. I know he said some problematic things lately, but the book is still good. Um, and it really transformed my mind around investing. That's when I started thinking about most units. Um, and then my mom co-signed it. Like, yeah, like I could have told you this. You didn't have to read the, you didn't have to read the book. <laughs> But like the way that you use your money to buy assets that will fund your lifestyle is the biggest thing that I got from that. So don't be afraid to utilize books. Like I know online is great and I learned a lot online, but like reading that book really changed my whole mindset around using my money to make more money that will fund mm-hmm. my lifestyle, you know? So mm-hmm. I will recommend that book as well. Of course, podcasts, I just highlighted a few. Um, and then the people that I highlighted, I'll share their links as well. Awesome. So where can we find you online? You can find me on my website, <laughs> which is uh, realestateprepod.com, spelled out exactly how it sounds with all the E's. Um, and then on Instagram, I am also real estate prep pod. And then I am um, a podcaster as well. So I have real estate prep and it comes out every Wednesday. And again, I talk about three things in particular. I talk about the history of Black people in real estate. So I talk about the um, subprime loans and redlining and all that stuff and just our history of being property and how they took our property through all these massacres. And then I also talk with experts that know more than me when it comes to real estate. So again, those are the investors, the real estate agents, the lenders, all the people that basically will help you to purchase your home. Um, And then I'll talk about my experiences as well. So I kind of touched on it during our conversation, but you know, I tell you more in depth about my experience purchasing my first home um, and failing um, along the way. (laughs) So yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us on the show and talking about all or answering all of these questions that we have around home ownership and, you know, achieving our home ownership goals and stuff. I really, really appreciate you, your experience, the stories that you've shared, the knowledge that you've given us, like everything. Just thank you. Thank you. This is good. This is very good. Thank you for the opportunity. And I'm I'm so excited to hear you Purchase your home. Um, I love that you are not trying to have a loan because these loans totally suck. (laughs) And it's doable. People don't think it's doable. So I love that you are challenging what's possible through your podcast and just through your story. And like I said, I listened um, and I was like, we're totally the same person. (laughs) So I'm excited, you know, to see you crush your goals as well and, and start that generational wealth process. Thank you.